0: Hello, all, all, and welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal, and I have with me today a very special guest, Jim Wilburn. Jim, how are you doing today?
1: Pretty good. How are you?
0: I'm excellent. (laughs) I feel like I've talked a lot this week, but I'm like, good to go. That means I just talked to a lot of cool people and, you know, got some good podcasts. So Uh, like I said, before we got done uh, talking, before we started recording, we'll go ahead and start with that first question there. What is your writing journey been like up until this point? This seems to be a favorite one for our audience and myself. So.
1: <laughs> uh, long and fantastic. <laughs> um, I, I mean, so I, I, I kind of started writing uh, in high school, like a lot of people. And, you know, at a certain point, I gave up on it, you know, and uh, I moved on to other things. I did a lot of music. Um, after high school for about 10 years, I did like light touring and whatnot. And, you know, as I was kind of coming to the close of that part of my life, I was like, well, what what can I do? Like, I I can't stop making stuff. Like, so uh, so I, you know, thought, oh, well, maybe I should give this writing thing a go again. And at that time, I didn't really know about indie publishing or anything, which is the direction I went into. But, um, you know, I just started, Reading and then I started writing, and uh, I actually start writing the my most recent book uh, around this time. Uh, and I got like, two chapters in, and I stopped, and I realized like well, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I need to stop and figure out what I'm doing because uh, I had enough intuition at that point to know that I was going to write a trash story if I kept going the way that I was going. So, uh, you know, I, I actually stepped back, and I started to approach writing like I needed to get a degree in, in creative writing. I, you know, read a lot of books on writing. I started, um, you know, really uh, critically analyzing storytelling and the books that I loved. You know, I would, I would read it, and then I'd read it again, and I'd look at, you know uh, w- what made me feel this way. You know, and how did they do that? Um, what would happen if uh, you changed this in the story? What would that do to the story? Would it feel the same? What you know? And I would experiment with things like that. Um, and you know, I even wrote papers to myself. You know, uh, um, just explaining my ideas about storytelling and my and my, cool. and, my uh, and and what I want to accomplish. And uh, you know. After that, you know, I, I felt a little more confident um, in in uh, actually releasing something. I, you know, and I'm not saying that you know this is how most people should approach it. Um, I think I'm a little crazy when it comes to that. Um, I, I just, you know, had a lot of self doubt, and um, that made me feel better about it. That I actually, you know, did a went went um, a really far, extra mile to educate myself on the process. Um, But, uh, you know, uh, I did that, you know, I had two dev edits on my novel and, um, after that I felt pretty confident it was about as good as it was going to get. So, um, and that's when I, you know, fired away and, uh, the rest is history, I guess. So
0: it sounds like you're a lot smarter than I am. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i literally like for 10 years was just like oh i'm just gonna write this story and then i like left twenty thousand words i was like oh, i'm just gonna write this story and um my friend asked that he goes hey, you probably started like what like seven books i was like "Ah, at least <laughs> like now i'm thinking like <laughs> if i just go back and redo the outlines like it'll probably be pretty quick you know because the characters are there and stuff so it sounds like you did it much smarter than i did it took me 14 years to to finish a draft because i wasn't doing the homework and treating it like it was you know, something concrete, I was treating it like it was just, I don't even know what I was doing. <laughs> I was talking to Dirk Ashton about a couple weeks. I was like, I, I didn't know what I was doing, which I think it's good to acknowledge that, right? That
1: yeah, yeah. maybe,
0: maybe novel 14, like someone just told me yesterday, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I still not know what you're doing, but at least right. you've really done. So yeah, that's, I think that's a terrific answer. And I, I think that's what most people really like to hear is, you know, that we're all in the same boat. Um, you know, and I've had people, you know, I've had like Dirk Ashton, Michael R. Fletcher, uh, Kelly McCullough, um, who did the Fallen Blade series. And, you know, you, you're talking to somebody who's written, you know, 14, I don't even know now, like, well, well into the teens and 20s, you know, for novels. And it's funny to hear people say all the same thing, no matter if it's their first novel or their 20th novel. You know, it just, I think it makes people feel good that we're all in this together.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Um, that That's kind of the secret of writing, is Pretty much nobody knows what they're doing. They're kind of (laughs) figuring it out as they go, you know. So, uh, yeah, take comfort in that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's like Mallory Kuhn yesterday, we're in part two of our interview, and um, she had said, you know, like, I think it was like Brandon Saracen and said the same thing, like, that he did like Novel 14. And he was just like, every time it felt like he was doing the process for the first time again. Um I told her, I was like, I hope it doesn't feel like that as I'm, you know, starting my (laughs) second one, like officially. Like, (laughs) I hope I learned something from this crazy mess. But that's why we're doing the podcast, right? That we hope we learn from each other. But that's a great answer. Uh I'm sorry,
1: go ahead. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say what's interesting is that uh part of the reason I did it the way that I did it was because um oh goodness, I can't think of the name of the book, but I was reading a nonfiction book about the process of learning and how to reteach yourself how to learn things, um, which was pretty uh, uh, interesting, but basically it boils down to the idea of like, oh, you just need to subdivide, you know, everything into smaller pieces and then practice that piece. And and then, you know, reapply that into the whole, um, instead of trying to learn everything at once. So um, again, I mean, if that helps, um, that, I think that was very helpful to me. It's like, oh, let me write, you know, a short story uh, so that I can, you know, make my dialogue smoother or, or, you know, description or action or something. Just learning that one piece and then figuring out how to reintegrate it into the whole, you know, so.
0: I, I, I think that's brilliant advice. and I'm actually gonna take that myself for <laughs> my, my draft too. And Michael R. Fletcher kind of told me the same thing with editing. Um, right right it goes through and the first time just kind of like picks one thing and then they'll do like 14 different times I guess I really like that yeah but I like what you said though because I I definitely think I was already kind of thinking that for like my next novel is like you know trying to not create like maybe like start with character you know like development or something first and then worry about whatever it is fight scenes or you know arc or something like yeah like do it in chunks I think that's uh I think right. that's really great advice
1: yeah there's no correct way to write a novel
0: Amen. as long <laughs> as it comes
1: together right at the end it doesn't matter how you got there you know
0: so. as long as you hit that deadline right, <laughs> right. <laughs> well it's like funny that you said that because I was just listening to a podcast the other day and um I think it was Wizards worries and Words actually and they had interviewed somebody I'm totally blank on who it was I just listened to them over and over again but, like, somebody had mentioned how, like, they, they didn't even like their ending. And then they went and were, like, had two of them. And it was literally, like, three days beforehand. And it was a part where they could cut off, and it could be this ending or this ending. And they chose, like, B. And then the whole time they were sitting there thinking, like, oh, I should have chosen A. You know, like, no one's going to like this book <laughs> now. And then it turned out, like, everybody loved it. And, you know, right. they went back later and talked about, you know, ending A. And a lot of people were like, nah, we didn't like it. And he was like, well, that was the one I liked. But at the same time, it's like you know, what does the reader want? So yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So many different, you know, things to think about. I just think it's, it is, it is really crazy when you think, you know, like you came up with that product, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like something in your head. It still amazes me that we like take things in our head and these imaginary people and worlds and, you know, people create fandoms or, you know, like sign, want to sign your book or, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it is kind of a, I can't really think of anything else that's like it other than you know the music industry um Mm -hmm. you know because I feel like you know like art's one of those things but like you know you can like you know visually see people's art so I do think it's different in that way um yeah yeah you know what I mean like it's kind of like a you know like a conceptual thing and I think music's the only other thing I could think of because you're doing the same thing you know you're just using words to you know describe a feeling or a world or you know right right I always want it
1: to be uh very special um and uh you know, uh, I tried to let my readers know, you know, the story is incomplete until you read it. You know, um, my characters aren't really alive until somebody else reads them. You know, I put as much life into it as I can, and they really come alive when somebody else reads them and breathe new life into them, you know, and, and they become a, a new person inside their head. And um, that's, I, honestly, that's beautiful to me, you know, so
0: that's a great quote i'm going also going through back through for first half of season one and getting quotes uh so that's gonna be a really good one that the story is incomplete until someone reads it that's that's very like like on the like on the money i think that's a that's a great quote for uh incorporeal feeling that's hard to capture so that's a great quote there i like that um so what is one thing you feel has been the most unique about your world building um
1: I guess I can give you two things. <laughs> oh, sure. um, uh,
0: yeah. I,
1: I actually don't know what's the most interesting, um, but I guess the the one that most people point out to me uh, when they read is that uh, they like that I mix magic with science,
0: mm. um,
1: which is something that I do. It's, it's perhaps done in a way you, you might not expect, but uh, you know, I growing up, I always loved science and I also love science fiction. And when writing, you know, uh, or, or planning a fantasy fantasy world, my natural instinct is to look at magic and think, how is this connected to like the real world, you know? And and try to, you know, make rules around it. Um, and uh, you know, I don't always write the hardest magic systems. That's not the the point to me. It's more of uh, it feeling real to me. Um, uh, so I tend to mix science in when I can. Um, and then the other thing is um, what I like to kind of call um, world building the mundane, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and um, just all the time throughout my novels. And it'll usually happen when I'm just writing away and I'll just put something in that's completely throwaway. away. Um, you know, uh, a bird that doesn't exist in our world but I give it, I give it a new name and, uh, and, and uh, in a short description, you know, a, uh, you know, um, a different way that someone, um, you know, uh, might use an instrument uh, or, or a whole new instrument, you know, uh, that I don't spend a whole lot of time on. I just kind of state it and let it go. And it just kind of adds to the world building that it exists. Um, And I kind of love that because, it gives me that feeling of uh you know when you watch star wars for the first time uh oh, yeah. and you saw that uh trash can robot
0: <laughs> and he's
1: kind of walking around oh like, yeah 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 what is that like yeah, why yeah. is it there what is it what's the pur- purpose of that is it really a trash can so uh you know to me it's like that it's like i don't know you, you think about it for a while but you have to let it go because the story keeps going uh and you know it also gives me um something to look back to and think, oh, I need uh, something for this story. Oh, remember that thing I made up? Like, what if I bring that back, you know, and it it's fun. So, yeah.
0: Well, I, I'm trying to remember who I, I'm totally going to, like, butcher this, but, like, I, I like how you put it, though, like, world building the mundane. I they said it was like like those kind of little things are kind of like mulch you know like they are throwaway, but they really end up helping what you're trying to grow in your world you know and you know I think you do need those little pieces in order to make the bigger pieces feel real um so yeah like I and I've never really considered doing that like with instruments so that's like just like such a cool such a cool concept and yeah, yeah yeah, that's yeah yeah that's you definitely have me thinking already of world building um differently so I think that's a, a great answer there yeah, that's really cool now I'm wondering what kind of birds I can put in mine
1: <laughs> oh man so naming things are always really fun with world building and I simultaneously love doing it and hate it
0: <laughs> because <laughs> you're not sure if it's like right or not and but it's right. your thing but it's like you have to like Yeah, you feel like it's got to fit and it's like, it's like a circle right there. And
1: And it can really derail you, you know, Uh, especially if you're doing what I do and you kind of build it on the fly and you're typing and you're like, oh, what is this thing called? Uh, (laughs) And you either have to kind of skip it and come back to it, maybe tag it um, or you you know go down, you know, a a wormhole, a rabbit hole of, of of trying to name this thing <laughs> and then you just burn 30 minutes of your writing time trying to name something it's like ah oh, I should have done that I should have just kept writing but
0: oh, so. 30 minutes if only I think I get on a, <laughs> I'm gonna do an episode on the fantasy name generator because I just love that that website and it's free I go on there all the time and I'll, I'll just like pick a name now I so I used to do is I would try to find the name right well mm-hmm. 30 minutes huh I'd be on there for like three and a half hours and like you know i then I have like a whole list of names that I'm like saving for later. And now what I do is I'll just go and put in a name, you know, and right. put in something cool and I'll just underline it or highlight it and be like, you know, question mark, like change later. But yeah, it's those rabbit holes, they'll get you. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. And it's something, actually something that I haven't talked about much while we're on the topic of world building is um, I built uh, with with a uh, with a linguist, uh, friend of mine, uh, acquaintance, we kind of built three conlings into my novel, uh, like the foundations of them. you know, we based uh, one on uh, Sudanese, uh, we based one on uh, Japanese and we based one on French. Um, to, you know, help bring some realism into the world and consistency when I'm referring to uh, things in those lands. And so one of the things I had to do was, Every now and then I sometimes go to him and say, oh, I need a word for this because, um, you know, when I look at the files that we drafted up, you know, my eyes start to glaze over and I was like, I just want to keep writing the story. Can you just give me something? And he's like, yeah, I'll put something together and he'll come back to me like a week later and like, oh yeah, here's a list of names for cities that you can use. And this one means this, this one means this, this one means that. And that is like a huge collaborative partnership that I, I don't want to take for granted because, um, he's actually contributed a lot to my worlds, um, by doing that with me, um, uh, cause I couldn't have done that by myself. I'm not a linguist. Um, I could have tried to do that, but you know, I, you know, it's better if I have a collaborator with that. It's almost like a language editor,
0: uh, yeah, for yes.
1: something that doesn't even exist. So that was very helpful.
0: No. And it's actually, I, I actually keep forgetting to mention this because this keeps coming up. So I'm going to talk about it just real fast. Like um so like you said like a language editor um a few people had recommended to me so like i've been trying to find people like i have like for instance i got like a roman history like i want to take the lost legion and explain why they were lost right and it's going to be with zombies and it's just okay. like my my fun little historical fantasy project i'm a history teacher right. so okay. you know i thought how cool would it be in book 1 to take them and explain why they're lost well it came out i saw this study recently while I was working on this during the pandemic and this new study came out where they had this tax document in Spain. And it turns out that they don't actually think the lost legion was lost. They think that the documents were lost. And I'm like, that's so boring. I'm doing it with zombies. And I was like, I'm still going to do it. (laughs) And, but like, I'm trying to figure out, you know, I'm doing the research and I'm just like, Oh my God. And I'm thinking like, how many books can I read? And how many websites and documentaries can I actually go to? So I was talking to Scott Odin about this. And he had a couple of people who he does the same thing where he goes to them and says, Hey, you know, like reenactors and things and ask them questions. So I honestly think I'm about to start making friends with a Roman history expert. <laughs> because, You know, what that I mean? is and a I'm good like, idea. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't even care if you want your name on it, too. Like, let's just like, you know, like, give me the information so that I can like create this awesome book and trilogy and everybody will have fun with it you know and I even talked to my buddy I was like I might even just contract somebody you know like just to get the information or to do the like what you did and just have them be like a Roman military editor or something you know because I do want it to feel real I do want some of the historical fiction people like me who like to read historical fiction and fantasy but I, I think it's important to you know find those partners and and Scott Oda made a good point he's like go go ask any of these people so he gave me a few people and he goes go ask any of these people he's like they want to tell you about these things you <laughs> right, like, right. came to me and were talking to me about martial arts you know like I had some people send me some fight scenes and stuff and they're like hey I, they're like check this out see if this makes sense and like I love to talk about it like I'll talk about it all day long so I, yeah. I get you know the you know that but I, I do think it's important to find you know, collaborators and partners, like you were mentioning, because absolutely, you know, they can add to your entire world, like you said. So mm-hmm. to me, that sounds really cool from a world building aspect. So
1: right, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. Um I love when questions I always tell people, like I send people the questions, but I always love when questions turn into like other things that we can talk about. <laughs> right? You know what I mean, it's like, it's more natural. And you know, I think everybody learns a lot more that way. I know I learned a lot more that way today. So I always just use them as a guide. So if there's anything Probably else fun. you want to add, like, please, like, that's the whole reason you're here. So please, please, please. Um, so what has been, okay, what has been one thing you've had to learn the hard way when it comes to your writing process?
1: Um, Everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, uh... that's a very honest answer. I like it. <laughs> amen to that <laughs>
1: Okay, so remember how I talked about how you know I tried to you know uh, learn how to learn better uh, with with breaking things down into its component parts, uh, you know learning a specific skill and then folding it back in. Um, that works really well. However, um, it, it's not <laughs> a direct translation. So. Uh, you know, while I was writing, um, you know, my baby book, you know, the one that, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of, I wrote other projects, like l- other kind of lengthier uh, projects that uh, either uh, went out as uh, pen names, or uh, I kind of just trumped, it, you know, so some of them I did because I wanted to practice something and I thought, oh, this is a good story too. Um, I will just, you know, maybe I can take this and build it back into the story. And it turns out that because of the length of the project that I was working on, um, it wasn't as easy as just putting, you know, this element back into the book because there's, the book was a little too intricate that I could just shove something in, you know? So um, because of that, you know, I had a huge rewrite um, after the first draft. And it it almost, if I had known that (laughs) the rewrite would have been as hard as it was, I probably would not have started the book to begin with. I probably would have, I don't know, tried golf. (laughs) <laughs>
0: that's
1: fair. um but again I'm glad I didn't know how hard it was going to be because I did it and I kept going I was like well I'll just keep going like what, what's the worst that could happen I just fail right that's the worst that could happen um and nobody will ever read it that's fine um but man that rewrite oh man that rewrite was hard <laughs> I mean I've heard other authors say it and I wasn't really sure what happened to me but it did and at a certain point you're like, I don't like this book anymore. I I hate this book (laughs) Um, and I don't, I never want to read it again. I'm done reading this book and uh, eventually you come back around to it and you're like, okay, I guess it's not that bad. Um, So yeah, I mean, that was the hardest thing for me is just figuring out how to write something on the scale that I was trying to write. Um, It's, it's just you couldn't just simply Use the exact same methods that I, I learned how to use, um, and unfortunately, um, especially with epic fantasy, you most writing courses that you take won't tell you how to write epic fantasy. You know, it's it's like this is how you write a normal novel with one protagonist, um, like you probably should write for your first outing. Not, you know, four protagonists, like and and you know. Uh, you know, a sprawling epic with a, a lot of world building, you know, um, yeah, my book ended up kind of being like writing two novels in a novella and trying to weave it all together. Mm. So, um, you know, it, that, that was very difficult. You know, that was that was the hard that was the hard work for me.
0: Yeah. I, I like how you mentioned breaking up with your novel many times. Um, I have broken up <laughs> with mine. I, I call it the high school novel you know, like where you break up with it over and over. And you're like, why are we together still? (laughs) I feel like I've done that four times to mine. And I've tried, you know, letting it go. And then I came back to it again. And I'm sure it's it's laughing at me right now as it's sitting downstairs, (laughs) waiting for me to do the last round of first draft edits My my big rewrites coming. So I, I definitely know the, the feeling and part of me is just like, just, just start something else. I'm like, I have a hundred, you know, started. So I was like, just go somewhere. <laughs> but I promised yeah. a lot of people that I would actually finish this one. So I'm like really trying, but I know I'll like it at the end, you know, I'll love it, but yeah. I'm right there too. I'm like, I never want to see that. I just said to my wife before she went to the, uh, the store with our friend. And before I got down with you, I was like, I don't want to see this novel ever again. <laughs> right. He's like, it's I mean, 14 years, like, just, just finish. Like you're almost there. Like
1: Yeah, definitely finish. Cause that, that's another thing that, I learned that was really helpful is once you finish something big, uh, it looks different automatically. It almost felt instantaneous. Like you, you got to the end of it and, and you thought, oh, that's the whole book. And then your whole perspective shifts because it's harder to wrap your head around completing a book until you actually do it. And then once you do it, you're like, oh, so that's, that's what the whole thing feels like. And it becomes easier to look at another book and say, Oh, I could get to the end of that. You know, I've done it before. So yeah, I'd definitely finish it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. Well, like I, I, like it. Like like we moved to New York and um, where, where my um, wife is from and it did like just recently, like I, it, it's taken me six years to get certified here after two master's degrees. And it, it was just like crazy. So like this summer, I, Had finally gotten, you know, I'd finally gotten my certification. And like, I've worked like four jobs for like the last like five years just to, you know, pay for this and do that and like to do an internship, like a second internship. And it was like, I finally was done. And I was just like, is that, I was like, is this what it feels like? (laughs) Like, I was just like, instantly, just like, breakfast club, like, yes, you know. And when I got done with my novel, it was different though for me, because like, I think it's because I wasn't fully done, you know. But like the first draft, and I was like, oh, okay. And I think I literally let it sit for like six weeks. And Mm -hmm. like it really took me a minute to realize like 14 years, you know, like draft one was done. And my friend was like, Well, how do you feel? And I'm like, I think I'll feel a lot better when I, you know, can actually make it readable. Um but I felt a lot better like once I was actually going through and editing and I was like, Oh, there is somewhat of a story here and things that you can use, but yeah, it's, I do agree with you. It's, it's a really interesting feeling. I think I just had like such a big writing hangover that I just like, you know, I I needed time to, to relax. I went and wrote a couple other things and came up with some really cool ideas, but yeah, I like how you said that though. Like your perspective does change because I got this one, like Griffin Rider series that I came up with on the fly after finishing this draft. And I was just like, Oh, that's going to be so cool. And as soon as I went in to do like, you know, like an hour of an outline, I had like eight really good chapters and character development and it's like i had gained a level right like in writing like it was it was crazy and then that's when i was like okay i need to go back and you know really finish this book so yeah mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with with that answer that's a it's a great answer there um i got me thinking so much about some different things which is good um <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> uh, this one we can kind of like kind of go with or change Um, I'm just kind of, you know, we've talked um, somewhat about your writing process, but what's the one Mm -hmm. thing you find the hardest in your writing process?
1: Uh, absolutely consistency. Mm. Um, it's, it's my Achilles heel, uh, when it comes to writing. Um, I'm a slower writer. Um, and because of that, my biggest weapon would be consistency, you know, you're slower fine do a little bit every single day and you'll get fast uh, done faster a lot faster than you anticipated uh, because of the consistency uh, you know if it, if you're fast you can stop and go pretty easily and still wrap up the project in the same amount of time or less um, but you know uh, in indie publishing and in really all publishing you know, you're not just taking on the job of a writer, you're doing a bunch of other jobs, uh, you know, marketer, PR, advertising, uh, inventory management, sometimes uh, accounting, Uh, you know, you have to put on all those hats. And sometimes, you know, you wake up, and you think, I really need to, (laughs) you know, get my books in order. And by books, I don't mean writing a book. I mean, oh, I didn't do any accounting for the past two months, I should probably do that. And you do it, and then, you know, oh, wait, you know what, I should make these marketing graphics and you make 10 of them and, you know, you didn't write that day, <laughs> you know, by the time you do all that. And I have to kind of uh, try to wake up in the morning because that's when I do my writing is I try to wake up earlier in the morning, do it first thing because then um, no matter what else happens to my day, I feel good that I did that thing that I'm supposed to do. So, but it's so easy to get derailed though, you know, um, and it happens to me all the time, actually. So um, that's something that I, every time I get derailed, I have to recommit myself and just get back on the horse and say, "Okay, you fell off. What are you doing? Get back on the horse and be consistent again." And you know, um, it, it's 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 I'm something I'm still dealing with, um, and I, I don't know how prevalent that is, but I
0: go uh, oh, very man. It's it's <laughs> a,
1: it's it's a real. Real big stinger for me. So, yeah.
0: No, I, I totally agree with you. Like, I, I'm one of those people where, you know, they, they say you should write every day. And then, you know, um, you have other people who say, you know, write when you want to write. I personally find that, like, it's like going to the gym. Like, if I don't go to the gym when I'm supposed to, and I miss a day, then I miss another day, I miss another day, then it's like I've been in the gym. Like, yeah. and I'm just like, okay, like, what are we doing here? And I feel like the same with my writing. Like, I have to write something, even if it's 25 words at the end of the day, um, mm-hmm. you know, coming home from work or if we're doing something or if I'm about to just read. To, you know, I just mentally like the other day I just had to read. I just was kind of over editing and it was a really long day. And I was like, nope, you know, like you, you really got to edit at least 10 pages today, you know, just to like right. stay on track. And I, I just find, though, that I have to write every day. And I personally find that it's like when I go to the gym, like I, if I'm just kind of do stuff for 30 minutes and leave again, the next day, I probably, probably not going to feel the way I should, and I'm not going to feel positive about it. So then I don't go the next time. And then it's the same problem. And I find the same problem with writing. Like I have to do like four writing, four 15 minute writing sprints in a day. And otherwise, like if I don't at least do like an hour, I, it's like my workout feel like crap. And then I don't do it the next day. I don't know if it's like just a right. mental thing for me or what, but like I, I have to write every day, otherwise it just doesn't go well. And then I stop doing it. I miss a day, I stop doing it. And then, you know, I haven't written in, you know, three weeks after that. And it's like, that's just, right. you know, because I'm thinking like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> Maybe I'm not, but I, I I personally have to write every day, even if it's like, like I said, like 25, 28 words. I've done that a lot. And but it keeps me then writing the next day and the next day, and the next day. And 28 words is 28 words, so.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's essentially the, uh, it's the Seinfeld method, right? Yeah,
0: um,
1: you know, just keep, you know, um, putting your butt in the chair every single day, you know, and do something. One of the things that uh, helped me too, uh, sometimes helps at least, um, well, it pretty much helps every single time, but uh, is having that whole space where you've dedicated a slot of your day to it. Um, and, uh, to me, the way I handle it is I go to the keyboard and I will sit there. Um, and that's my writing time and I can choose not to do anything, but I have to sit there, you know? Um, so when, when I get off the horse, that's what I do. I just start putting myself in front of the keyboard and it's like, you can either sit here for an hour and look (laughs) at the wall, or you can do something, you know, what are you going to do with your time? Are you really going to sit there and look at the wall? So if you, if, that can be a trick that helps people. If you just say, you know, this is my writing time. I don't have to write, but you have to sit there and not do anything else. But, you know, you're probably going to start writing because your imagination's going to start wandering autom- almost automatically. So um, you may as well just start writing it down, you know.
0: It's funny that you said that because like, that's that's how I finished my, this first draft was like, my wife was like, how's it going? And I'm like, it's, it's okay. And I'd come home from work. And I would, I, I, every day I was like sitting in my chair for the first 15 minutes that I got home. And then after that 15 minutes, I pulled my laptop out. I opened up my document and I literally looked at it. And I just was like, even if all I do is just look at a couple of lines where I was at. And then I put a star and I just at least wrote a sentence, Mm -hmm. wrote a sentence. And like 99% of the time after I had went, you know, and did everything and wrote that sentence, then, you know, and I reread the couple paragraphs before that page, it was like, then the idea started flowing, and I had to write. Yeah. And I feel like definitely, like, I'm going to be doing that in the future. It's like, setting a timetable, like you said, and just like, sitting down with the computer. Yeah. And I don't really, I'm kind of, I kind of like that I don't have to be in my, in my office to write, like, I could just put on headphones, I like put on 90s music. I don't know why I think it's because I don't have to really listen to the words, you know, just, and I think it emits, um, you know, certain feelings and things. So mm-hmm. it kind of makes me more creative that way. Um, but yeah, I just, I think just sitting down with my laptop and having the document open and just, and I, Dirk Ashton really helped in one of their episodes um, where he said, he's like, just do something, you know, like yeah. all, all you have to do is you know reread a couple of lines and all of a sudden, you know, it's like a spark hits. And I'm right. so glad that he said that. And for me, that's really helped. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of going crazy right now because I'm, editing and I'm not writing until I'm editing so I have these 15 pages and then tonight I can actually write again
1: (laughs) right (laughs) right
0: promised a bunch of my friends for accountability and stuff um Mm -hmm. but yeah I'm like my wife's like how are you doing today I was like oh pretty good I was like I'm gonna you know go you know meet David and then Jim and then I said I'm gonna finish this edit and I'm gonna like write and she was like oh my gosh you haven't written in like three months I'm like, well, I've never edited before and editing right. killed me. <laughs> like I am actually the resurrected Dan before you, not you know, the original one. <laughs> but yeah, it's I think having that time is is essential. And I like how you said that. It's kind of like elementary like detention, you know, like you're or like lunch detention. It's like sitting there, and you only have one task to do, and you can either do that task or just sit there and
1: yeah, right. yeah,
0: or just gonna get to work. So that's that's a great yeah. advice right there. I like that.
1: Yeah, getting started is the hardest part. For me just just starting just starting the engine is the hardest part but once it once it's turned over you know you just keep going you know so
0: well, one of my students in the summertime when I was really struggling to finish my uh, or just struggling to edit for the first time um, she had asked me because I had her during the school year and we, she's a huge writer so we talked about it and um, she threw back my teaching in my face because she's like have you edited yet and I said no and I said I'm just having trouble getting started and she goes the first parts to start and that's why I always <laughs> tell them and I was like oh I was like why would you do that I was like seriously seriously she's like well I want to read your novel and I'm like oh so I came home and that's when I actually started like really editing um right yeah I, I think any way that you can find to start you know for either writing or editing or whatever world building I think it's better than <laughs> you know better than us not getting different ideas from you know from your books and things like that so
1: Absolutely.
0: That's great advice. Try and tell myself that daily. <laughs> we told, <laughs> tell myself that later when I only have 15 pages to edit. It's like, come on, come on <laughs> get it together. Uh, all right. So I'm really interested in this fifth question. Um, so if you had to sell us on the seven cadence in one sentence, what would it be?
1: <clears throat> okay. So I'm bad at elevator pitches. Um, me too. That's why I asked you. <laughs> worst, it's the worst thing. So when people ask me, what's your book? about like uh you know there's characters and uh you, you know game of thrones right you don't uh, uh <laughs> you know so i had to write this down so i'm gonna read it because i'm <laughs> so bad at it i will just it will just flee my head so <clears throat> here we go if you love long epic fantasy stories with deep lore dragons with a unique spin and character journeys that are deeply cathartic the seventh cadence is your wheelhouse that is my one
0: line pitch that is a really good one i like that i've been i asked this because i've been trying to practice my own so i I really like hearing yours i'm just interested in really just interested in your book just in general um Mm -hmm. so for those of you guys that um you know haven't checked out um jim's um seven cadence yet please make sure you check out the description for this youtube uh video um it's also going to be in the spotify link uh, and if you go onto Twitter or Facebook um, for our groups or my page, um, you can actually find uh, Jim's book, The Seventh Cadence, there. Um, so make sure you check it out. When I saw your link pop up the first time, I was just like, man, that looks so cool. And then I went and read the blurb and like it hooked me instantly. So I think that's a really good way, um, at least from, you know, from like your blurb and stuff and some of the reviews and things like that that I've seen. I think it's a really good way um, to sell it but it is really hard, right, to come up.
1: It is. Oh my goodness. It's so hard enough rough. to come
0: up with a blurb. <laughs> right, that, that
1: took a long time. Surprisingly, yeah. it's not very long. And Actually, what's, what's even funnier is the original blurb that we came up with is longer and we were struggling with it, trying to figure out, like, it doesn't quite flow right because there's, you know, there's a lot of characters and I was trying to fit it in. And what we ultimately decided was kind of veer away from the characters because it was making it too choppy um which isn't ideal but for my book you know if I need to be honest with the reader about what it's about I couldn't just say it was a, it's about this one character because they'd read it and they flip the page and another character would pop up and they're like wait well, hold on I was told it was going to be about this you know so uh you know I we trimmed it down and it just read so much better after we took um a lot of the character stuff out and Perhaps there's a blurb that we can rewrite it into that will do what it actually needs to do even better. But I mean, it was hard writing that blurb. It was really difficult. So, yeah.
0: Well, I I look at a lot of them. I talked to Dirk Ashton Mm -hmm. about this. I look at a lot of them because right now, like I'm, I'm kind of practicing um, before I get done with mine. So that way, by the time I do get done, I can just be like, bam, you know, and, up with a good one and miles hurt and i talked about this um his was really good too um he's got like a really good little um so we check out actually me and miles hurts um uh, episode and that's for anybody here um, in the podcast listening or watching on youtube um miles came up with a really good little system that he taught us um in that episode on how to write blurbs um but yeah it's it's definitely a lot harder a lot harder than it seems but i really liked yours though it was it was really good. And I was like, man, who is this person, you know, like, you know, has this, you know, really good, you know, cover and really good blurb. And yeah, I went right to Amazon and picked up the book. So it's on my TBR. So I'm really excited. But yeah, I think it's, it's, I was interested because it, I really did like your blurb. And I had a couple of people check it out too. And I was like, we were talking about blurbs in a private group I'm in. I was like, Hey, you know, check out Jim's blurb, you know, here for the seventh cadence. And they really enjoyed it too um so we just wanted to, to let you know that that we thought it was a really good one personally um we kind of used it as like kind of like a framework for you know just blurbs that we liked and you know thought that you know they were really good advertisement but now you have a one sentence blurb that you know that you can use for, for <laughs> i
1: know it was I know. really
0: good i liked it <laughs> thank
1: you I'm, I'm gonna try to use it now
0: if, if you ask me that i'd be like jim get out of here <laughs> <laughs> somebody asked me that the other day because i asked them a, a similar question and um they were like yeah so next time when i come on they're like you're going to have to give me your blurb and i was like that's fair i was like let me finish for the story first so i actually know what the blurb is but yeah so they already called me out on it so
1: oh um, you know what's interesting uh i one thing i think it's based on the snowflake method but a lot of maybe not a lot i actually don't know what the actual percentage rate is but i'm sure it's, there are a lot of authors who do this but some authors i know do this where they write their blurb first, you know what I mean? They they call their shop and then say, this is what I want people to be attracted to. So they write the perfect blurb and then they write the novel for that perfect blurb. Um, it's challenging uh, to do that because like what if you have a different idea while you're writing? I mean, I guess you have to be the kind of person who will just write the thing. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's one method if you ever need it in your back pocket. Yeah. So. And
0: see, that's interesting because for me, I feel my friend said this. He's like, "Your he goes, your books are always like stories are always like a uh, like a Power Ranger. He's like they are a uh, Pokemon Pokemon. He's like they always morph into something else. And that's the, the issue right now with mine is like, you know, I was going through and I had these two these three characters and I want to tell their story. But then it's like um, for draft two, I'm, I know I'm going to have to like take a character out, switch another one and then put two more in. And I had two characters that popped up out of nowhere that I was writing and I love them, but they don't fit the story. Uh, mm. I was like, but I love them. So I was like, well, I'm going to take them and put them into a different book. Um, mm-hmm. and it was, you know, so I'm, I'm like, you know, I was saying to him, he was like, well, this is totally different than what you were saying with these characters. He's like, but they add to the story. Um, uh, cause he's the only one I let in on pretty much like 70% of the book and what's happening. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm thinking, like, man, like, he said, he was like, you probably shouldn't write your blurb till later. <laughs> he's like, you're a morpher, like, it constantly, he's like, who knows, right. when, you know, the, the last draft is going to be, because I did try that, and, but it helped me out, though, for the, the the three main characters, and I've stuck to that original blurb for the three main characters, and it's really just, like, secondary characters now that I think are helping to add to the story, but yeah, I have heard, I've known people, actually, it's funny that you said I've known people that have done that, and have Mm. followed through i feel like i'm too much of a pantser and Mm. uh, trying to get more organized um so like that's my goal one of these days is to like have such a good story you know that i'm like yep here's the blurb and then it matched at the end (laughs) (laughs) just to like prove to myself that i can do it i'm not
1: i mean if it's if it's not your process i mean it's probably not your process you know Um, i wouldn't try to force yourself into a box you don't fit in yeah uh,
0: i just want to prove to my friend i can do it (laughs) It's a good challenge. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, that was, that was a really good, uh, one sentence blurb there. I, uh, I wasn't sure how it was going to (laughs) go because I know (laughs) it wouldn't have gone well. So you did much better than I would have with it. So that's a really good one. Um, so, uh, oh, and I noticed this. So tell us more about, uh, emergent realms. I had just saw, saw that pop up and Mm -hmm. that just seems so interesting. Um, so I'd love to know more about that so I could help promote that more. So.
1: Yeah, so Emergent Realms is essentially um, a very, very infant small press um, that uh, me and a few other authors, you know, got together and decided to join forces and make something bigger than we could probably do by ourselves. Um, And, you know, I've always been a DIY person, you know, uh, you know, I I did a lot of music before I started writing again. Uh, And, you know, when I did go into, uh, you know, decide to go back to start writing, you know, the first thing was like, oh, well, I got to get, you know, an agent and an an editor and a press. And I I didn't like the idea of that, but I was like, well, that's what you got to do to get published. And uh, as soon as I found out about self-publishing, I was like, well, not doing any of that, (laughs) you know, like it was absolutely natural for me to go indie um, and not go the traditional route. Um, That's not for everybody, but that was 100% for me. Um, So, you know, naturally that's what I was going to do. And I I tried uh, a couple of different routes, you know, I was just going to do it myself at one point. Uh, And then at one point um, uh, I was working with uh, Sterling and Stone uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they used to do this yeah. self-publishing podcast yeah, yeah. back in the day. Uh, you know, I started working with them for a little while. and But really, I kind of had an itch to do my own thing, you know. Uh, and, you know, so I, I left Sterling Stone. I started my own thing. Um, and honestly, it was kind of good that I worked with Story, Sterling Stone for a little while first because, oh, man, they taught me a whole lot. Uh, they were really smart guys. Um, but... Uh, You know, that's basically the idea uh, of Emergent Realms is that we're trying to make the best science fiction and fantasy stories that we can. And we want to be the most premium, you know, uh, indie fantasy um, uh, story studio basically out there. So, um, you know, we have a long way to go. (laughs) <laughs> we're basically just getting started, but uh, we, you know, we're we're hope- we're very hopeful that it's gonna do very well. Um, so,
0: well, I think you guys picked a good genre. I was just talking to Mallory Kuhn about this yesterday. There's just so like you look at the class of indie publishing, right? That came out last year, and it's just like, you know, I trying to think of, you know, there's only a few authors, I think, you know, for traditional publishing that I think even compared to you know these people who are just busting out just amazing work you know and we talked about that on this podcast quite a bit over the last few months where it's like indie publishing particularly for fantasy and sci-fi it's just like I just feel like fantasy particulars um very interesting because like I I just always tell people like when I met um Kevin Hearn, Brandon Sanderson, Patrick Rutherford, um Kevin Hearn's just always just the coolest freaking person on the planet to me and he was bringing all these indie publishers in Um, particularly in fantasy and it was just super cool to meet people you know um, who were just starting out kind of like Brian McKellen and some of these other people and you know to really see where they're at now um, Mm -hmm. to me is really interesting and it's just cool to see you know the community from what it was 10 years ago when I met some of these people and now you know there's some of the premier you know fantasy and sci-fi authors in indie publishing so I definitely think it's uh it's a good uh you know it's a good market to get into and you know these smaller presses I think are I don't know I just I see people and they're like you know like you look at um subterranean press for instance you know and Mm -hmm. look at them like what I think it was seven years ago I think was the first time um you know I had seen something from them and you know, they were in the same boat as you guys. And Mm -hmm. now look at them, you know, they have some exclusives for some of the, you know, the hottest, you know, um, novels and projects, you know, um, from some of the best authors on the planet. So,
1: yeah, I mean, you know, you got to start somewhere. And, you know, going indie and and creating something so small kind of gives us a little bit of a superpower because we're a little more agile. Um, but, you know, we get to really do it the way that we think is best, um, which may not necessarily be the most profitable thing. Um, but, you know, we can actually be a little more passionate about it and, you know, put, um, you know, uh, what we think the project needs over, you know, what is the fastest <laughs> way to get, get to, you know, a million dollars or whatever it is, you know, the goal is for, you know, um, you know, your accounting department, you know, so uh, you know, that that's that's fantastic. And and I'm just kind of very appreciative that, you know, we're starting to get to the place now where indie fantasy is kind of getting respected now. And I always thought that was very weird um that they weren't automatically as oh, yeah. respected, um, and it's I think it's just because publishing is a very long and old uh, industry and, and with established rules. And but when you when you look at other creative endeavors, like when you hear the word indie musician or indie film yeah. or you know uh, you know indie video games, you don't think, oh, this is uh, this is going to be trash. This is going to yeah. be horrible. You know, you don't think that automatically. You think, oh, this is somebody creating something that might be a little bit outside of the box or might be a little interesting or quirky or, or, you know, off the beaten path. And, uh, you know, for a long time in publishing, you know, indie authors, um, whilst there were a lot of people who were, um, you know, very passionate about it, uh, readers who were very passionate about it, um, you know, by and large, you know, big publishing was not very happy with us. And I think there was a lot of campaigns that Oh, you sure. know, kind of made it look like it what we were doing was kind of uh inferior and um you know we just kept you know kept going you know and just ignored it and just said you know we're we're gonna do our our best work and uh and the readers will decide you know and that's where we are so
0: <clears throat> and I think it really speaks to personally I think it really speaks to you know like me for instance like I I will I just love talking to authors. I love talking to, you know, artists, Um, you know, like, like indie comics for me have been a huge thing for a long time. I just got so tired of DC and Marvel and, um, you know, and then Valiant, even when I got into Valiant, it was indie, you know, and now they're like a big name company, but like, I just, I guess, yeah, I just so agree with you. I think it's just, you know, I think people were for a long time, you know, for, for publishing, you know, novels for fantasy and sci-fi for the indie community, we're just trying to say it was a indie press, and yeah, you know, there was that campaign, and you know, that's what I had thought at first. And then, you know, here I am, you know, with Brandon Sanderson, Kevin Hearn and Patrick Ruffus, and Michael J. Sullivan, and then here are all of these indie authors, and I'm looking at their product, I'm just like, God, these sound awesome, you know. <laughs> like there were so many cool books that year too that had come out from the indie. Um, you know community and I was just like holy moly you know and a lot of the people who were even at that show who were traditionally published had started off like you know like Michael J. Sullivan in the you know the indie community Uh, so for me it was just like really cool and it really opened my eyes to the indie community because I'd always wanted before that to be traditionally published but um I talked to a few people and at that show in particular and um one of the authors was like, hey, check out that book over there and then come back and see me like go read the blurb on that book or, you know, read the quotes and things. So I read it and then I noticed like he had, you know, quoted her book and then she had quoted this person's over here and um, I came back and he was like, so what did you learn? And I'm like, well, you guys must be pretty tight because I said every single one of you has read and then, you know, blurb someone else's book. And he was like, yeah, you know, one of the best things about this community is the community. And that just totally changed my perception of, you know, fantasy and sci-fi indie publishing and just indie publishing just in general. But I think the fans have just been, you know, tremendous. Like I'll, I'll go to anybody's website, you know, I'll check out their, their novel, you know, review, read, review it, you know, just to help them out. I just, it's been awesome to see the community grow. So I really hope you guys, um, you know, experience the, you know, the same success as, you know, Subterranean Press and, you know, who knows, maybe your early TSR, you know, I hope so. So (laughs) there's there's plenty of room in the industry, you know, and yeah, absolutely. It just adds to it, I guess, is my point. And just, it adds to it. And I think the better the competition, I think, you know, the better the writing will be and the better the books. And, you know, I think everybody will, you know, just profit from it like they already have. So Right. right. I see it as everybody's on the same team. So Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. That, in, in fact, within Emergent Realms, you know, when we first started, um, we kind of started from, you know, uh, culturally uh, uh, principles and culture-based approach. When we first started, the first thing we, we did was like write up a document about, you know, what are our values as a company? And uh, one of the things in there was, you know, coopetition, basically, which is a, you know, a buzzy word that's saying, you know, we're not really in competition with anyone, you know, and if anybody comes to us and they want help with something, we're just going to tell them the truth, you know, and, and give them the help they need. You know, if we can just do it, you know, we'll, we'll give them help. There's no reason. Readers read way faster than I can write. Yeah, <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't mind, you know, helping some other author who's really great, you know, get ahead. I mean, that's fantastic because now my readers have something to read while they're waiting for me, you know. Oh. So, so yeah, yeah, it's 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 all um, about community in the indie world, and um, that's a that's a big deal for us. Yeah.
0: Well, that's super cool. And like I said, if there's anything you know we can do. You know, um, if you guys want to come, you know, and and do an episode together or something like that, you know, we we'd love to have you guys on and you know help spread the word or you know, anything we can do to help you guys out with that. Cause it's, it just seemed to me, I was like, wait a minute, that's cool. Um, so then, you know, I immediately checked out, you know, anywhere where I could find you guys on the web uh, and I was reading, I was like, that's just really cool. So yeah, if there's anything we can do to help you guys out or help you, you know, get a bigger audience, please, please, please just let me know. Um, Absolutely. So for, I'm really interested in your answer for this one. We've had just, mm-hmm. everybody's had some really good recommendations. So uh so what are some who are some authors or what are some books that you would recommend to our audience?
1: Um yeah, so I mean obviously because of emergent realms, I have to recommend cool. uh Violent Blessed.
0: <laughs> I was hoping <laughs>
1: uh, Violent Blessed by uh A. H. Serrano. Uh so I brought along uh All Visual right. 8. Awesome. So, Violent Blessed by A. H. Serrano. Um it's like YA dark fantasy. Um and it is beautifully written beautifully written um i actually had the opportunity because it's with emergent realms um and i do a lot of the dev editing there i had you know i got to touch it so that's fun uh you know uh but you know uh serrano she's just a fantastic novelist and it kind of has like touches of horror like um you know uh possession and the magic system is really fun because you know it's like Kind of like a elemental thing but then there's like more to it than that um you know with, with a spirit-based magic it's it's amazing it is amazing um and oh one of the cool things with the world building there that I think you might appreciate is that the characters are all um bilingual
0: oh so, that's really cool uh,
1: because you know the common tongue like the casual there's the informal way of saying things and then there's the formal and the formal is the old tongue and informal oh, is just cool. what everyone else. Th- so sometimes they'll say something or they'll use certain terms. Um, we have to put a whole glossary in the book because of that, but we'll <laughs> use, so uh, cool. but you know, it's, it's, we wrote it. So um, well, she wrote it so that uh, it, uh, you can understand it just by the context, but the glossaries there just, just to help you because there's a lot of words in there that are from the old tongue. So and when you you know refer to someone who's your elder or you know you're talking to a certain type of person, you know, you use words in the old tongue. You know? Anyway, fun world bully that's really the-
0: cool. That's really cool.
1: So this is the next one I have to recommend is Nightblade. Oh I got George that Bell.
0: one. I love Garrett man. I've been following yeah. Garrett for a long time now. <laughs>
1: yeah have you are you gonna interview him because you should have him on.
0: Um, you um, know what? I'll be honest. Uh, if, if you could help me out with that, I was trying to get yeah. his contact info the other day mm-hmm. and I don't know, like, I don't know if that his email, like, cause I'm on his newsletter and I tried mm-hmm. emailing back cause him and I emailed, um, a few years ago and he actually helped me out quite a bit, um, with different ideas and just right. like, kind of like the industry and stuff. And he was just so cool. Um, yeah, yeah, for yeah, some yeah. reason I, I don't have that email. Like, I don't know. I don't know what happened with my Yahoo cause I, I thought I had saved it, but I guess I didn't. Right. But, I had I'll put you guys in touch. I'll put you yeah, guys in yeah. touch because I, um, I really like that book. That was that was a great one,
1: right? Yeah, and he's his whole series is expanded. I mean, I think he has yeah. like twelve books now, like twelve yeah, or like yep. and it's it's amazing. And uh, luckily, I get to get a chance to uh, read a lot of them because uh, I'm helping him with his audiobooks oh, a bit. Cool. You know, so uh, he narrates his own audiobooks, He's a great narrator. Uh, and he narrates them all, and, uh, and then he sends them to me, and I, you know, help him clean them up a little bit so he doesn't have to do that work, because that's pretty tedious, <laughs> so I, I do a lot of uh, his, his uh, work for that, um, but yeah, so there's that, and I don't have one with me right now, because I haven't ordered uh, a paperback yet, I've just been reading an ebook. book but uh, J.C. King's uh, Songs of Insurrection,
0: oh, yeah. have you heard of it? those books no no not yet but i actually got book one um so my thing is so i i usually try and do paperbacks but Mm -hmm. i didn't realize that like people were making like 70 percent off the sales for kindle um Mm -hmm. so i had for so for some people when they were like you know a dollar or two dollars a little while back i was just like running through and grabbing all of them um right and i was like well i'll just you know read what i want like i that was like a hellborn king was for christopher g brenning and I was just like, oh, I'll just grab the paperback later. So I just like read it on Kindle. Uh, but I actually, right. for JC, I, um, I would love to have JC on too. I uh, grabbed book one a little while back. That's going to be my next thing is like kind of like, you know, like JC style. Because um, I have a, a fantasy book um, planned, um, trilogy planned um, once I get done with my first two. Um, where it's like I have this like um, Asian style um, country and this like diplomat. And I kind of wanted to nice. you know, try to read, you know those I mean they've been really popular so I would love to see you know what's going on with those books because I have so many friends that have recommended them and JC just seems really cool so
1: yeah yeah uh yeah he seems like a really cool guy I haven't had a chance to uh talk to him in person yet so I mean definitely try to get him on the podcast no I am I, 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 I like
0: my friend was talking about how um Oh my gosh. Who was I just talking to? They just met him. They like, I don't, they were at two different shows together and I was mm-hmm. like, so jealous because I was just like, Oh man, to be like, you know, to be between both of them and interview both of them in person. Right. That's so cool. And yeah. so I was trying to get a hold of him to be like, where, where were you guys, you know, <laughs> like, are you guys <laughs> together? You know, cause it was two different shows where they were like, the stalls were right next to each other. Um, right. Trying to see like, you know, like what they were doing. Um, but yeah, like yeah, he would be a really cool one too. He's actually on my um second round of people that um I'll be getting a hold of uh for this excellent, excellent. one. So yeah, anybody for you guys, you know, you want to send my way, I'd be more than happy to interview them and uh like I said, splash emergent realms all over the, the internet. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean I'll send uh, H Toronto your way. Um oh, that'd be awesome. And we're working with another author. Um we're going to try to get it out next year, which will be fun. Uh, We're just trying to get ahead on the, um, you know, get a few books ahead actually this time. So, um, you know, uh, so we haven't really
0: formally announced
1: him, but there is another, there's another author coming down the pike uh, probably towards the end of next year. So I'm very excited about that.
0: So we'll definitely have to schedule an episode then um help mm-hmm. you guys with with that um after you guys have done that so that'd be really cool to, to help you guys out with that
1: thanks yeah that'll be awesome
0: sweet awesome all right well those are some great recommendations like I said I've uh I followed Garrett for a long time read a couple of his first books and they've been awesome so I actually was just thinking of him yesterday because somebody else had recommended um one of his newer ones and I was like oh I haven't you know I was like I haven't read one of Garrett's in a while like him and Daniel Aronson were probably two of the first ones that I had read um mm-hmm. and just absolutely loved and they actually really opened my eyes to you know um just, just indie because you know like i said you know like people had you know trashed it for a long time that i knew and stuff and i think it was more they didn't understand like what was going on and you know so i read um you know garrett's first two books and then i had read um daniel aronson's um oh I'm totally blank um his series where it's like both night and day on the world i don't know why i'm blanking on it yes um, uh, i can't so blinking on that
1: too, um, but I, I know which one you're talking okay. about. I read yeah. the
0: first four, and they're just mm-hmm. he. They're just so good. Like I, I'm like I was like amazed by his writing, his characters, and like I was like this is indie. And then um David um Gilgesh, um mm-hmm. uh, with his two orc series was just like.
1: Oh, right. that.
0: yeah and mm-hmm. I was just like oh this is indie and then I was right it right. was like I was done after that and my wife was my girlfriend at the time and she was like man you really like these books <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> "Yep." and you know little did she know our basement would be married you know eight years later. our basement would be full of indie fantasy and sci-fi books but
1: right yeah
0: should have been uh you know in the <laughs> should have been in like a contract or something like that you know <laughs> she always says she's like I wish I had put that somewhere you can only buy like five a year or something. But I said, then we'd have to do it with shoes or something like that. And then she didn't like that. So, uh, (laughs) you know, we decided to leave it out of the prenup. So, um, so do you have any promos or news or updates, current projects, anything like that, that you'd like to share with our audience?
1: Um, Yeah. So our most recent thing right now is the seventh cadence. Um, So, I mean, if you want to pick up something that is kind of in the spirit of like Brandon Sanderson, Brent Weeks, Robert Jordan, Um, but 100% indie, (laughs) then, you know, pick up the seventh cadence. I mean, uh, definitely for fans of epic fantasy. So, uh, you know, the best price is on Amazon, but if you want to sign copy, you can get it from the website. I sign them, I spank them on the bottom and send them right out. So, uh, and and of course we have a whole merch store there. So it it has a lot of uh, stocking stuffers for uh, fantasy fans um so if you if you need a new mug or or uh or, or cool you know uh nerdy uh readerly kind of t-shirt or something like that that's kind of leaning towards the fantasy um that's the place to get it so uh or if you know someone that you know that you don't really know what who to get a gift for but you know they love reading yeah the merch store there would be fantastic so
0: well that's awesome i have to check that out i'm trying to do my christmas shopping this weekend for my friends yeah. <laughs> have to get through that that's really cool and all right so i you know once again jim want to thank you for coming on um you know we want to thank everybody for tuning in again to another episode of the fantasy and sci-fi fanatics podcast uh you can find this video on youtube twitter facebook uh and the audio on spotify so thank you to my best friend dave for uh getting the spotify working it was all him yeah (laughs) so i was really excited because that was like what i tried doing from the start It just was not working for me So he worked with me for uh, about a week and a half and finally got everything figured out. So thank you, Dave. Uh, he doesn't get paid yet, so we're just going to thank him <laughs> <Wait for laughs> days of the Patreon. Um, re- make sure you guys also don't forget, I do leave it in the description, so feel free to email me at scholarsofuma, that's U-M-A at gmail.com. If you have anything, you know, that you'd like to tell Jim, you know, like, hey, really love the seven cadence, hey, where can I find it? In case you don't know how to, you know, get to the description on YouTube or Spotify, but you know, any comments, you know, questions, things like that. Um, maybe you really like the character or the story, you know, I would really love to start passing those questions and comments off to authors. It's almost crazy, right, Jim? It's like, you guys would really love to hear people's, you know, questions and comments. And, you know, absolutely. <laughs> After,
1: yeah, the I, I effort, spend so much know. time in these worlds, you know, if somebody yeah. wants to talk about it, you know, I, I'm full of, I'm full of information. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> So I'd love to connect you guys, you know, with Jim, uh, any of our other authors, um, if there's anybody you want to see on, you know, on the podcast in the future, if you're like, you know, oh, we really love Jim's you know, advice, things like that, you know, make sure and, you know, we'll make sure we can make it happen sooner rather than later. Uh, if you have any questions for future guests like Jim uh, or you're something, you know, like we usually, do, like you guys know, try to do an introductory episode. If there's something that, you know, you really want us to cover with Jim later or, you know, emergent Realms questions or something like that, email me and we'll get it to Jim and his team right away. Uh, if you guys have any, you know, videos or pictures that are fantasy or sci-fi related, uh, if you want to cosplay someone in the seventh cadence, uh, feel free and we'll pass it on to Jim for you guys.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. let's do it.
0: Excellent. All right, Jim. Well, I, again, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and, you know, and talking. I was really looking forward to having you on ever since I saw that cover and, and read that blurb. So I'm really glad that we could have you on. And like I said, you know, I'd love to have you, you know, back on the future. If you want to bring anybody else from, you know, the team with you, you know, please feel free and, We'll set that up as soon as we can for you guys.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much. This has been an absolute joy.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I hope you have a good rest of the day, my friend, and I look forward to talking to you on Twitter some more.
1: All right. Take care, man.
0: You too. Have a good one.